Hello there, this is Rami. I'm excited to share another episode with you. We have Paulina Petkoski on the show today. She's talking about a really fun and hip organization called Playground Detroit. At the end of the episode, we'll hear from Detroit artist Valley Hush. They're debuting a new song and you don't want to miss it. Now I want to sidestep for just a second and give a shout out and thank you to our listeners all around the Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia area. We know we've got a pocket of listeners there and we just want to thank you for continually tuning in and downloading our episodes. We appreciate you. Okay, let's see what's happening with Jensen and the fun fuel for today. Hey, this is Jensen with your fun fuel for this week's episode. This week, I'll be sharing some fun facts about a playground. The idea of the playground originated in Germany, where the playground was a space to teach children how to play properly. Now, the first playground slide was invented in 1922 by Charles Wicksteed. Research shows that children who are given the freedom to play how they want grow up to be happier and more well-adjusted adults. Playgrounds also help children with their balance and motor skills as they play, social skills as they interact with other children, and self-confidence as they climb and swing. Not to mention a playground is also a great source of fresh air and exercise for a child. So let your kids get out there and play on the local playground. This is Jensen with your fun fuel for this week's episode. Enjoy! Okay, excellent. I'd like to set the stage a little bit before we listen to my conversation. Now, Detroit is bustling with creative activity. I mean, like any big city, you can almost find anything. But in the past, it's been somewhat difficult to collect it all and figure out what's going on where because there's really just so much underground stuff going on. And on the surface, not just underground, but there's just a ton of different pockets of things going on. And that's where Playground Detroit comes in. I met Paulina at a fashion incubator, actually. I think I was the financial geek giving a really boring session or something like that to the next big talent there. Paulina came up and introduced herself, and I was immediately struck by her direct and strong presence. She's somebody who you just know she's just going to get done whatever she sets her mind to. The best part, as you will hear, is that she's using all that persistence for social and economic good. So let's move on into this episode and take a listen. So Playground Detroit is really a multi-sided platform that serves as a creative catalyst for the city of Detroit and its creative entrepreneurs, artists, musicians, and kind of cultural scene that's happening right now. And let's break that down a little bit more because you use so much cool terminology there. (laughs) Multifaceted, creative catalyst. Let's go deeper on some of those elements. Right. So we have two sides really of what we do and some of it is IRL and URL. So the first part IRL is in real life. We work with people and we produce events. So we connect people to people and we like to promote the creative economy. So promoting the arts and culture scene here through exhibitions, through really cool programming that includes film screenings, Q&A panels, activations with other stores that are in the area, anything that really allows 
people to connect with one another and experience art in a way that is really fun and unique. The other side of it is online. And we have had an online magazine since 2011 that we started to really get out all of the fun, creative news that's happening in the city that at the time wasn't being told in the mainstream media. And since we started the online magazine, we've also expanded the digital media platforms that we have to a really amazingly robust social media following that is just growing basically every week. You know, we have a really great Instagram following and uh, Facebook. We use Pinterest, Snapchat, uh, YouTube, anything that really allows our audience to engage with the creative people that we support and promote. That's really interesting because there uh, is always sort of this gap that people who love the artists don't feel like they can get close enough to them sometimes. And you provide both of these ways. I love what you just said. In real life, IRL and URL. That's fantastic. I want to write that up Yeah, it's the, easiest, it's the <laughs> easiest way to describe it because both sides are critical to supporting one another. And that was always the intention when we started throwing events while living in New York to bring out talent there and showcase everyone there uh, in order to get out the information about exhibition or a music showcase that we were doing you know we had to be our own outlet and so that's continued to be a part of how we function to this day yeah let's talk more about you the genesis of it while you were in new york was somebody connected to detroit how did you originally connect new york to detroit so I grew up in Metro Detroit, as did my business partner, Samantha Sheffman, and we were both living in New York at the time post-college for our professional careers. You know, she worked as a jeweler and a gallerist, and I was trained as a fashion designer. So we were working in New York, and what we found was that a lot of people would ask us what Detroit was like when we were introduced to them. and it was always with such interest, but totally uninformed generalizations and stereotypes. So to counteract that, we started the website and we started doing events to connect our friends that were living in New York to the people that we still grew up with in Detroit who were doing really inspiring things that we thought should be exposed to. Wow. And so then how did you decide to make the move? I decided to return to Detroit in mid-2014 after some, you know, issues in the fashion industry were brought to my attention, and I just felt like my efforts and my experience and my passion for Detroit and what's happening in the city right now were better put to use on the ground, and so I relocated back, I think, in late July of 2014, and then a year after working in Chelsea in the gallery district in Manhattan, Samantha, my partner, moved back here in 2015. And so we've been operating back from Detroit for the past two years. And you've made amazing headway in just two years. I mean, I'm sure to you it's probably felt slow, but I'm looking from the outside, I'm like, two years, that's extraordinary what you've done here already. 
Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's been a lot of hard work, but I've been dedicating, you know, really the majority of my time to establishing the company back in Detroit. And the funny thing was when I moved back here, a lot of people, you know, I knew because of my previous connections, I've been traveling here back and forth the whole time I lived in New York for like almost 10 years anyways. But people around town, they already knew the the name recognition. There was already brand recognition when we brought the company back to the city, which was really interesting for me because, you know, originally more of the intention was to inform a larger audience, whether that's global or people who lived in New York or LA about Detroit. But it's actually turned out that we have a really amazing following base in the city and also in the surrounding areas, Metro Detroit, Ann Arbor, Chicago, other places that I didn't think that we would have such a impact on. And and it seems like we do. I think there's this surprise sometimes of how much there really is going on around here, but it's hard to curate it all and sort of organize it all, which you're doing. Thank you. It's interesting because there is so much happening. And I think sometimes that's super overwhelming to someone who's either, you know, just moved here or is just kind of starting to become curious about the scene. I mean, the art scene has been strong in Detroit for decades. And I think now it's starting to just get more recognition and things are becoming a little bit more mainstream, a little less underground, but there is also a potential for a new audience. And so how do we let them in and give them access to stuff that was more word of mouth or more within the very small tight-knit community that's actually based in Detroit? Yeah. And so let's go there to the social mission. There's a broader social mission. Sometimes people dismiss the art and the creatives as not really adding to solving the social issues. Would you mind speaking into the social good that comes from what you're doing? Well, I think what people need to realize about artists and creative people is that there's actually a lot of value added to the community as a whole and also to the GDP, economically speaking. Even though we like to be fun and creative and entertaining in what we showcase, it's really that we're a little bit more serious about play, if you will, and that this idea of play is really a new form of work. And when you try to look at some of the future trends that are based in the gig economy and, you know, kind of an anti-capitalist potential future, you know, what does the future of work look like? And I think that the people that we work with are all very passionate about creating change and impact through their creative or artistic pursuits. And so really, how does this creative work and these creative people living in Detroit add value to the city economically? And how is that then portrayed to people who make policy, city officials, and then having that be advocated to be integrated into city planning and especially in education. I think that it's no secret that the Detroit public schools are in a crisis and the majority of the time, one of the first things that begins to get cut in the budget are the arts programs. And a lot of the work that we've done in the past is art supplies fundraisers for some of the artists that we work with who are actually also teachers part-time as well. And it's really important to advocate for the arts 
in Michigan because we're competing not just nationally, but globally for other cities that are looking to attract and retain their talent. And we have to do that in Detroit, in Michigan, in southeastern Michigan, because that's really the future of where a lot of people who are going to college right now or are, you know, budding artists, they need that support. They need to see themselves as being an integral part of the economy here, you know, not just tech or farming or automobile industries as we've seen them already, but really saying that, you know, creativity and art and culture matter. And how do people really end up understanding that in a a real way, not just, you know, why is a painting on a wall important? It's much deeper than that because art can impact people's quality of life and provide jobs. And so really that's at the more macro level, what we're saying. Yeah. And I think there's so much, you had, that was action packed. We could probably spend about an hour on every one of those things. Absolutely. (laughs) I think I want to draw attention to two specific things you just said there though. And I'll do from back to front economic development. There is jobs in arts and culture. People dismiss that because they may view it at times as a luxury item, but there are definitely, it creates jobs, it creates economy, it brings people to the city. Just think about all the people that come to look at one of the types of things that we have in Detroit, which is the graffiti. So that's just a small pinch of an example. But I'd like to go back Mm -hmm. to one of the things you said in the beginning, and it's about having fun. One of the things that cracks me up about social enterprise and impact investing is, while it's great to have, you know, these good intense social missions. Sometimes the social entrepreneurs are walking around like sad sacks, you know, I'm going to save, <laughs> save the world here, but they're just like depressed and trying to make it all happen. And it really isn't the intent of social enterprise in general. The intent of social enterprise is to marry the best of doing something good socially with the best of having a business enterprise so it says self-sustainable and healthy and productive it's not meant to be this burden that you decide to carry yourself so I love the fact and I just wanted to step on that for a minute that place of fun and play it's critical that we do that in our world it's really challenging because as a social entrepreneur myself I'm faced with those challenges and I do tend to take on this overwhelming amount of responsibility for the people around us that we work with and also the city as a whole. I think that the other community of social entrepreneurs that I am, you know, associated with all feel the same way. There is this intense feeling of what more can we do to help? And so it does become a little bit overwhelming and, you know, sometimes potentially depressing because there's only so much that one person can do. But when you get back to the idea of enjoying what you do and making your work purposeful and keeping it fun, I think that was the only way that there was able to be a counter narrative to this depressing story of Detroit that's been touted in the media for you know, decades now. And how do you counteract that? I think that it's with a lot of positive energy 
foremost. And then a lot of, you know, positive thinking and positive action. It's just like, let's fill the city with vibrancy and beautification and creative ways to reimagine what this city can be and how other cities that may be experiencing similar things of deindustrialization and, you know, reurbanization that's happening. Let's be something that they can look at and learn for from, you know, as we've already experienced some of the worst that happened across the country to cities. Yeah, definitely. Well said. Well said. Yeah. There's no question. I think all of us who are social entrepreneurs, we've reached so far and emptied our bank accounts and all of our pockets and all of our time clocks way more than we would. But yet I know myself, I'm like, wow, super stretched. But at the same time, I've never had more joy than I've ever had in my whole life. I've never been more in love with other people that are all doing the same thing. And it is so tough at the end. At the same time, there is this, I love that word counter narrative that I'm having great joy. And I think a lot of others are too. And you at Playground Detroit are part of what's facilitating that actually. It's helping to not be so heavy all the time. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. So let's go to the enterprise part of your business because our listeners are always super inquisitive about what are things that people are trying. Now you're a for-profit business, which is really interesting. I'm going to comment on that in a moment because typically, at least in our Southeast Michigan area, a lot of the arts and cultural organizations have been nonprofit. So what are some of the revenue streams you're looking into or have been using? I've found that the nonprofit model for us as an organization didn't make the most sense because I think that things move very quickly. We like to respond to opportunities and partnerships and ideas as fast as possible. And I think sometimes you aren't able to move so quickly with a nonprofit. And I also don't always think that the arts should have this kind of charity mentality, which is a little bit more like, oh, you know, poor us, help us, save us, which is not all nonprofit messaging. But I think for the most part that there are ways for artists to work professionally. And part of what our revenue stream is, is being an agent or an agency for freelance artists and creative entrepreneurs. So we help facilitate these people who are highly skilled, oftentimes educated at incredible institutions like the College for Creative Studies or, you know, a lot of other places that people have studied at and place them with job opportunities because they are working professionals, even though I think most people would find painting a giant building more enjoyable than it is work. It definitely takes a certain skill set to be able to achieve something of that scale. And so private commissions and corporate commissions for public artwork or lobby installations or restaurant, making other businesses integrate art into their spaces is a part of what we do. And the other part is our exhibitions and events. So we've done solo exhibits and featured artists programming And we also have online sales for artwork. So we have an e-commerce market on our website. 
We sell art and prints and playground merchandise, and we're looking to expand what we offer through unique collaborations with the artists that we work with. So limited edition, things that people can buy that are at a bit more affordable price point than the artwork so that we can cultivate a collector's market, whether it's young, new collectors or appealing to experienced older collectors in the area or the metro area that want to invest in top emerging talent in Detroit right now and provide those opportunities. We also are starting to work a bit more with local businesses to utilize our online audiences. So doing sponsored articles on our website, there's advertising and banner opportunities because our traffic on the website continues to grow and the traffic is coming in from all sorts of places. I mean, it is a global platform. So trying to monetize those opportunities and certainly, you know, with the new opening of a store location that we are currently working on, I think that's just going to be another opportunity to have a direct point of contact for customers and visitors and other collaborators that we work with to be in a space that actually represents local artwork and, you know, potentially even bringing in people from outside of Detroit to showcase what they have going on in other parts of the country to our audience here, because I think that that synergy is important to keep people inspired and, you know, informed of not what's just happening locally, but, you know, everywhere else too. So really cool. You're opening all kinds of doors for potential revenue in. And what would you say at this moment your ideal client would be or customer if you said, hey, this would be ideal if I had more of these? I think that some of the developments that are happening around the city, so people who are building lofts or other offices that want to integrate art into their spaces would be great. Um, We're working on a commission right now with an artist who's doing a large-scale mural and an accompanying series of work for one of the new buildings for people living in the city. And I think as there is more new construction brought into Detroit, I think that, you know, we have the relationships and the network of high-performing artists that are young and ambitious and talented who are looking for work opportunities on a bigger scale and are are ready to take those on. And of course, it's not all about the big clients. I think that more beginning collectors is also great because the art market in Detroit is a bit different than it is in New York or other cities. But how do we start to train and teach people that, you know, maybe even if you can't afford $1,500 or $5,000 painting, that you can still purchase a $40 print and frame it yourself and start to enjoy some of the benefits of not just beautifying your own home or office, but knowing that you're actually supporting other people's careers and choices so that they can continue to build themselves as well. Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. Well, you just let's go to this last point I wanted to make sure I covered. And you alluded just earlier to the fact that you're looking to get into a new space. I know one of your social missions is about preserving spaces and sustainable ways. And you moving into a space has, of course, a dual purpose of showcasing your work. But will you touch on that for just a minute on your social mission to preserve spaces? So what I'd seen from living in New York was a rapid transition from Williamsburg and North Williamsburg along the waterfront, which was very warehouse driven and industrial and not very occupied in 2007, 2008 to now having, you know, the huge influx of luxury high rises, all of the DIY music venues that were formerly there have been pushed further and further outside of that area. And more recently, in contrast, or similar to Detroit, few art organizations like Whitdahl Arts and North End Studios have recently had to close their spaces and are looking for other places to move into. And this is a trend that, quite frankly, scares me because some of these places have been around for so long and have been one of the main drivers of bringing people back into the city that had formerly, you know, sworn that they wouldn't come visit anymore. And now it seems that with the development that I was speaking about earlier presents attention because these people have obviously created value and made certain neighborhoods or areas or buildings they're desirable and now they have no equity and they have to either they can't renew their lease or it's become too expensive there's a few lofts that were artist lofts right downtown near capitol park that have now transitioned into luxury lofts and i think although both are needed i think that there has to be room preserved for the creative pursuits that were already happening here and continue to to need to happen here if people still want to find this place interesting and unique as opposed to, you know, where Bedford Avenue in Williamsburg now has a Starbucks where there was mom and pop coffee shop, CVS where there was a mom and pop pharmacy and an Apple store now, you know, where before there was a Salvation Army. So there's a lot of change that's going to happen and continue to happen, which is fine. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't, but where is the preservation of the original unique characteristics of the city and how do we either do what Grand Rapids has done where they've offered storefronts at a reduced rate for artists as live workspaces or offering up vacant storefronts for, you know, installation purposes or pop-ups or whatever it may be. Like how do these two actually work together as opposed to canceling one out. Right, right. Well, man, I'm really glad you moved back, Paulina, you and your partner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, what's funny is a couple years ago in New York, I just had this idea. I'm really into street art and there's a ton of wheat pasting and graffiti and stickers that I would see all over New York. And I started making these stickers that said, New York doesn't need you. And I would just put them around and document them 
And I just felt like, why do people keep moving to New York? There's 8 million people living there. They certainly don't need another graphic designer out of college. They don't need another fashion designer working endless hours at a job where they're never going to be the next Calvin Klein because the industry's changed now. It just seems like there isn't a lot of impact to be had in New York. And I think in retrospect, it almost seems like that message wasn't really just to everybody else I knew. It seemed to actually be speaking to myself um, (laughs) because I felt like, you know, what am I doing here anymore? I just really think I got what I needed out of New York, which was a ton of experience, a ton of contacts and a great network of amazing people, a drive and a really big passion on how to get things done, how to work hard, how to survive. But at the same time, what I've been able to get myself into back in Detroit and work with people one-on-one and try to bolster the creative economy here has been so much more rewarding and impactful from what I've already seen and heard from feedback, individual feedback that I'm really happy I'm back here as well. (laughs) That's good. How would our listeners reach you? Maybe website. I know you alluded to social media, Instagram, would you give us those addresses? Yeah, so we are at playgrounddetroit.com. That's where you will find our online magazine and our e-commerce platform. We also are on Facebook at Playground Detroit. Our handle for Instagram and Twitter is at Play Detroit. And you can email us at info at playgrounddetroit.com for any inquiries or special requests. We do get pretty busy with, you know, we've had job applications, we've had international artists from all over the world contact us and visitors as well, just to kind of figure out what's going on here. But we're always open. And I love getting these emails from anybody and everybody about what we're doing and how we can potentially collaborate together. All right, very good. So anyone out there who might have a potential customer or client for Playground Detroit or add value in some way, even just connect in and support them. We really appreciate it. Paulina, thank you so much for taking so much time to allow us to hear your story and we're with you. Thank you so much. I really love the opportunity to speak about this and looking forward to hearing the rest of the podcasts that are coming. (laughs) Okay. And I know you're going to pick out the end song this time. Usually we pick it and this time you're going to pick it. So we look forward to hearing what that's going to be. Yep. Shout out. Assemble sound. Love you guys. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you, Paulina. I'm inspired again, as usual. Amazing people around this nation. Well, as Paulina mentioned, she chose Valley Hush as the band she wants to hear from. We originally met them through Detroit's Assemble Sound. You may have heard one of their other songs on one of our episodes here. But this is their new song called Concepts.